Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today we're going to talk about coronavirus, but as I usually try to do, I'm going to bring you some clarity to some confusing issues and tell you about something else maybe you haven't heard much about, an experimental new treatment. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You may be hearing a lot of conflicting information about new antibody studies and the value of this sort of testing. Our recent guest on Full Measure was a scientist from Stanford named Dr. Jay Bhutacharya, who was part of a team that conducted one of the first antibody studies on a general population. This was several thousand people in Santa Clara County, California, and he's branching out to Los Angeles County and other locations. Early on, these scientists understood that if they could measure how many people out there in America have already had coronavirus and maybe had no symptoms at all or symptoms so mild they didn't realize they had it, we would know what the fatality rate really is. In other words, if a lot more people have had it than we knew about, the fatality rate is lower. Not to diminish the serious nature of coronavirus or how many people have died, but to get an accurate picture of the lethality of this virus. But other scientists are conducting similar studies at the same time, and they're finding, as anticipated, a significant minority of the population has apparently already had coronavirus with no symptoms as measured by the antibodies in their system. Now, a lot of people think that's good news because, as I said, not only does it mean coronavirus, the death rate could be far lower than was publicized earlier, but also some of those people, if not all of them, might be safe to go back to work and be around others immune from a repeat attack and maybe not even able to carry an infection to others. A lot of that is yet to be determined scientifically. There, there are unknowns. But in a general sense, scientists like Dr. Fauci say this is probably going to be the case, that people who have had it will carry protection against a repeat infection, at least for some period of time, and that they probably won't be able to infect others during at least a certain time period of protection that they have, which he says usually lasts some years after a virus. But what's surprising to me is I'm hearing people comment about this on the news and I'm reading reports and even some other scientists, including one of the ones who modeled 
a really seemingly kind of inaccurate projection about coronavirus and what was going to happen with it on the front end. They're doubting the reliability of this data coming in on the antibody studies. They're saying, for one thing, that the tests being used to measure antibodies, that the tests are not very good or very accurate. And that may be, but actually, when doing a population study like this, as Dr. Bhutacharya explained to me, they can adjust for that, and they did. So that's why the findings that were reported in an early release paper, they're actually given in a range to consider for the accuracy or the lack of accuracy of the tests. But look at how mad some people are that these antibody studies are even coming up with information and finding what they're finding. There's a letter to the editor in the LA Times by someone named Tom Shanley of Newberry Park, and he just sounds really angry about the antibody studies for some reason. This will provide sort of the counterpoint to the Stanford study. He says, Tom Shanley, that the study is so profoundly flawed that its conclusions are meaningless. And his argument is, in parts, that study participants self-selected primarily by responding to ads on Facebook. And he said, it is intuitively obvious that people who've had symptoms in the recent past would be more likely to choose to participate. Now, I don't know that that's true. That's his supposition. Maybe he's right. But he has no evidence to back that up either. But then he goes on to say that study authors threw up their hands about this potential bias and they did not publish or analyze any of the data about recent symptoms that people may have had. And then this Tom Shanley, who sounds very angry, goes on to say these scientists concealed this information about people who had symptoms in the recent past being in the study by omitting the information from tables with the rest of the data. And then he says that it's clear the bias could have easily skewed the results by a factor of 5 or 10. Again, he's using figures that have no basis in evidence, but he's criticizing a study that he says he doesn't like the evidence to. And then he concludes that we still know effectively nothing at all about the prevalence of infection in the studied population and that the best response to this study is ignore it. He says it is not fit for any public policy or planning purpose. I always wonder, and this is more common these days, people are entitled to their opinions, but when they work so hard to make sure you and I consider or hear only one side of anything, especially when it's an unknown, but they really only want you to consider one piece of information or one side to the story, and they really don't want you looking at the other side, it always makes me wonder. It makes me look a little harder at the other side, but I'm just like that. But... The reason that I think that we ought to look at the Stanford study as just a piece of evidence, more evidence will be coming in, it is hard data. You can take issue with how it was done and other points, but it's not a surprise. It's actually in line with published information, study, and reports that have been out there for weeks, including some that CDC references, like the one that said, 86% of people may be asymptomatic. That's the vast majority of people who get coronavirus may have no symptoms or very few symptoms. And that's also not a surprise since I spoke to a virologist who deals with this sort of research and he commented to me that something like 75% of the people who get the flu will likewise be asymptomatic or not have very serious symptoms or maybe have no symptoms at all. So apparently it's not unusual that a virus would behave that way. 
So it's not unusual that a decent percentage of the population would have had coronavirus or flu or what, whatever you're measuring and not known about it. In fact, it would probably be kind of odd if you didn't find people in the population that have been asymptomatic and have antibodies now, wouldn't that be strange if indeed 86% of the people don't have any symptoms if you didn't find any? So I don't know. I'm inclined to say this is in line with science that had already been published. It is certainly more evidence-driven than a lot of projections that some other people really wanted to put all of their stock in. And it will just add to a body of evidence that may be amended as more evidence comes in, as bigger studies happen and take place. The prevalence of antibodies in a certain population will likely differ depending on the city or the population that you study. But to sum up, in the Santa Clara County, California early study results, which may be flawed, but did account for the accuracy or lack of accuracy of the antibody tests they used, they found the prevalence of COVID-19 in the general population among people that didn't know they had it ranged from about 2.49% to 4.16%. And that means, they said, the researchers in Santa Clara County, an estimated 48,000 to 81,000 people were infected, which is 50 to 85-fold more than the number of confirmed cases. And that kind of makes sense. Again, if you believe, as other studies said, that 86% of the people who get coronavirus are asymptomatic. I like to think of that, if it's true and if it bears out with other studies that follow, I'd like to think of that as good news. And I have heard from one other scientist conducting a separate analysis in another region, and she is reporting similar results. So. We'll hear more of this as time goes on. Back with news on convalescent plasma therapy in just a moment. We're back. I recently learned about something called convalescent plasma therapy. The FDA has recently given this experimental treatment, I guess you would call it limited approval, under strict supervision to see if this could be something that helps patients who get very sick with coronavirus. And the way I found out about it is because the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, became the first donor in Florida of convalescent plasma therapy blood so it could be used in a patient. And here's how this came about. He had a visitor, he had visited with a foreign dignitary from Brazil and the dignitary's press secretary who turned out to test positive for coronavirus some days later. This was in March. So the mayor, based on that finding, he got tested. He found that he was positive for coronavirus. He self-quarantined for several weeks. He said he never felt very sick, but he nonetheless stayed in his house while his family and children stayed in a separate location until he took whatever tests were necessary to make sure this had cleared from his system. But that's just the beginning of the story because when he was out of his isolation, he got contacted by the family of a poor man who was very, very sick on a respirator in a hospital, an elderly man. And the family said, your blood, meaning they're talking to the mayor, is eligible for use in this new attempt to cure patients with something called convalescent plasma therapy because it will have these special antibodies that could confer to the sick patient. Now, it turns out 
I haven't heard much about this, so maybe it's not something that works all the time or works a lot, but it's been used for Ebola and other viruses and diseases where they take someone who's recovered and they try to give the plasma or the antibodies from that person to somebody who's sick. So uh, Mayor Suarez agreed to do this. He donated blood, took just a few minutes. They got the plasma to the sick patient. And the outcome was the patient got better by all accounts, the elderly man. But then, sadly, he died of a stroke. Uh, Obviously, he had other health problems going on, was in a high-risk population. So that obviously is very, very sad news. But uh, Mayor Suarez is using this opportunity to make sure people know that if you've recovered from this, there are places you can go. There are blood banks and blood handling centers and hospitals. You can get information to donate so that you might be able to help another patient. And if you're a patient or a family member, you can ask uh, the hospital or your doctor about this possible treatment and see if there's something that can be tried. If you want to know more information on it, again, ask your doctor, ask the hospital, but also there's more information at fda.gov. And if you're interested in learning more and hearing from the mayor, that is the topic on my program, Full Measure this coming Sunday, which is April 26th. If you miss it on TV, you can always watch Full Measure on Sunday after about noon Eastern time. We repost the segments at www.fullmeasure.news. That's fullmeasure.news. You can watch it there. And, gosh, you can watch us on an application called STIRR, S-T-I-R-R. You can watch us live at fullmeasure.news, but... I hope you catch us on TV when we're playing in a market near you. And there's a list of stations at CherylAckison.com under the Full Measure tab. That's the dog. Chaka, I'm trying to make a podcast. Do you mind? All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, everybody. Subscribe to Full Measure After Hours and my other podcast which is the Cheryl Ackeson podcast. And if you like these podcasts and the topics that we try to tackle, you will love my new book that's coming out. It's called Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Support independent journalism and pre-order this book anywhere. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.